everybody. Good morning. This is another edition of Cut to the Chase. I'm your host, Francisco Moreira Jr. Alongside me, as always, my co-host, Sean Donovan. What's so going Sean, on, man? We got a big, big, big weekend today. We got championship weekend. Excited? Oh, I'm so excited. I'm, uh, I'm really pumped for these two games. Uh, they're going to be a lot of fun. And Oh, man. And it's just, you know what? It's just going to be another exciting week, just like last weekend. I mean, uh, I'm excited for the Cincinnati Chiefs game. I think Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, it's going to be two exciting quarterbacks to watch, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped. Are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So uh, let's, let's dive into it. So um, Kansas City and Cincinnati. Cincinnati is going into this game as an underdog. Kansas City is negative 340 for, for betting odds. Questionables are Ty, safety Tyron Matthew, who left last weekend with a concussion, and questionable is Darrell Thomas, again, the running back with the toe injury. And for Cincinnati, you have Stanley Morgan, the wide receiver who's out with, who's questionable, rather, with a hamstring injury, and he actually got listed as doubtful, and as did defensive end Cameron Sample, who has a groin injury. Questionable is defensive tackle Josh to Opu, he has a knee injury for Cincinnati. So, I mean, let's let's get into it. I mean, you know, last week, Joe Burrow, Sean, I don't know if you know this, but he became the second-year quarterback to win multiple playoff games since Russell Wilson back in 2013. Yep. And uh, he didn't have a great game, Sean. I mean, you know, as far as he threw an interception, but that wasn't necessarily his fault. But, you know, he did enough to squeak by. He went 28 to 37 and threw for 348 yards. The only blemish, though, is he got sacked nine times. But, right. I, and that's a big that's a big question mark that I'm going to have uh, as far as going into this game um, is their O-line. You know, and it, you know, when Joe Burrow gets sacked nine times, I'm sorry, but you're not winning Super Bowls like that. And I don't care what quarterback you got back there. Um, but he also played against a very good defense. Um, Tennessee Titans, you know, they're they're nothing to be reckoned with. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I actually think Joe Burrow has an, an easier matchup. Uh, going against the Kansas City Chiefs defense. I don't think the Chiefs defense is as good as um, people are making them seem to be. I think they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. But um, I just I think Joe Burrow actually has a better matchup. And I think it's disrespectful, in my honest opinion, that, you know, the Chiefs, you know, have a, 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 you know, a, good, a good amount of spread um, in this game. But you also have to go back into the regular season. Um, where they they met up. What, I forgot which week it was. I want to say week was, seventeen. Week that's 17, what it was. Week seventeen. And uh, you know, I, this is gonna be a a revenge game for uh, the Chiefs. Um, you know, the Chiefs. You know, the second half in that week seventeen game, they only had three possessions that whole second half. And you know, they're not. It's not gonna be like that again. Um, so I'm just curious to see. Um, you know, how this Kansas City Chiefs team is going to respond going into this playoff game because they're not the same team as they played week 17 whatsoever. No, definitely. I mean, here's here's the thing. I mean, listen, I understand that, you know, it could be looked as disrespectful, but the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, they're here for a reason. Obviously, we both know that. They're both talented. Yeah, for sure. You know, they're both talented teams when, when you come down to it. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, 
three over 300 passing yards, Patrick Mahomes in all of his playoff games. You know, he's six and one at at their stadium. At uh, used to be Arrowhead, now it's uh, I think it's Giha or something like that, Giha Stadium. And right. he's thrown 20 touchdown passes and one interception to all time, and that's a minimum of 100 passing attempts, and that's the best all time right now. So that can't be overlooked. You know, Patrick Holmes is playing his best games in playoff games, and I mean, the the problem is going to be is that Cincinnati defense they have they've stepped up once playoffs came around, but the problem is. There's too many weapons for the Chiefs, in my opinion. Right. You know, Tyreek Hill went off last week. He had he had 11 receptions for 150 yards and a touchdown. Kelsey had eight receptions for 96 yards and a touchdown. Jarek McKinnon and Byron Pringle also made their presence felt. And, you know, not for nothing, but Patrick Holmes, they, Buffalo couldn't stop him last week as far as it came with, with, with running the ball. Patrick Holmes right. rushed the ball. Uh, he rushed the ball seven times, Sean, had 69 yards and a touchdown. They couldn't stop him. And then when he had Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the game, he he did his job. He had seven carries for 60 yards and Mikel Hardman, two rushes for 31 yards and a touchdown. The problem is, Sean, Kansas City has too much talent on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm not, I'm not you know, putting down to say they had a great year. They've been a great story. But I just, I just don't see them squeaking out a win here. Now, I could be wrong. But I just right. think that the Kansas City Chiefs offense is too dominant, and their defense has picked it up. Yes, they gave up 30 points last week to Buffalo, but the the fact of the matter is is that they're they're coming on hot at the right moment. Right, and and you're not wrong at all. And I'm not, I'm, you know, and I know this is kind of a, a a hot take, but I do think that Cincinnati's offense is more balanced. I would say than. The Bills' offense. I mean, the Bills' offense with uh, with Diggs and um, Josh Allen. Obviously, they're a good offense. Singletary has been questionable up until I would say like week week fourteen. That's when he started picking it up. But like this Bills team is a great team. Yeah. But I think the Cincinnati's offense is way better. And the thing, the fact of the matter is, is you know, it, as, as you're going into this game as a Chiefs, uh, as a Kansas City Chiefs, giving up that many points last week, you know, that's that's a big question mark that I had. You know, I, I mean, I think Jamar Chase is going to have a huge day. Um, and, you know, I, I I don't know if it's if it's just going to be um, Jamar Chase and uh, and Higgins and, um, you know, the uh, Tyler Boyd, CJ Tyler Boyd show. But like, I think Mixon might have a day and a half. I think I think sure. he's gonna he's gonna be a, a major deciding factor for this Chiefs. Uh, I mean, not sorry, not the Chiefs. This uh, city Cincinnati offense. You know, that will relieve so much pressure uh, for Joe Burrow because you know he's not gonna get pressured. You know, or maybe sacked nine times in that in that game. So I think the the fact of the matter is is if they can establish this run game which will open up play action, which will keep the defense on their heels. And I think that's going to be a major, a major fact that the Cincinnati has to establish really early on in this game and for them to win. Um, but you're, you're not wrong. I think Patrick Mahomes, he, he, here's the thing. Pat, it's Patrick Mahomes. And I'm, right. And here, but the thing with Cincinnati is that they're going to have to be able to rush for and hope to get pressure on, on Patrick Mahomes. 
because if they're going to, if they, you know, we've seen in the past teams blitzing on, blitzing on Mahomes, he's going to pick them apart because he can move. And, you know, when you, when, when you do that, it leaves holes open for Travis Kelsey. It leaves holes open for Tyreek Hill. So I'm just, you know, this, for Cincinnati, they got to be able to just rush four and hope that they can get pressure on Mahomes and, you know, and have they're they're definitely going to be double teaming Tyreek Hill, and I don't know what they're going to be their game plan for Travis Kelsey is. So, you know, it's definitely going to be a curious. Uh, it's just, it's definitely going to be a, a good game. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I mean, here's here's the thing. Like you were saying, you have you have to go about it in a strategic way in order to stop Patrick Mahomes because you have to give him many different looks. Because if you just go ahead and blitz them all the time, you're you're gonna they're gonna crush you. And if you right. go zone, you know, there's so many different ways. And, and you know, Eric Bieniemy is very creative. And Andy Reid is also a, a genius. He's a Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame coach. So right. they're right. going to find ways to pick them apart. And it's not going to be easy, right? No, Obviously, it's not. It's not going to be easy. But the other thing, too, that I want to mention is that um, – and also, by the way, I want to correct myself. Um, Buffalo scored 36 points last week, not 30. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is – is that, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire has, has come back from injury, and he's another weapon that could be dangerous. But the other thing, too, is, is that I just don't think Cincinnati has enough cornerback talent in order to stop all these other right. weapons. Yes, Awuzie is really good, and, and you, have, you have good uh, linebackers like Logan Wilson, and you have a good defensive tackle and guys like DJ Reader, who had five solo tackles last week and two tackles for a, walk, for a loss. Logan, well, uh, Logan Wilson, like I said, he had six solo tackles last week. And then safety Von Miller, five solo tackles and one sack. You know, but the, other, but the bright side for Cincinnati is they had three interceptions last week, but Ryan Tannehill is nowhere near as good as Patrick Mahomes. So that's the difference there. So, but um, what I want to mention, Sean, though, is, you know, last weekend in Tennessee, you know, they they had they had their touchdown with with Mixon, but the other thing too is that I want to mention. Cincinnati was very prepared for Ryan Tannehill because I don't know if you know, but Zach Taylor used to be the assistant quarterbacks coach down in Miami when Tannehill was in Miami, and he was also the grad assistant at Texas A- Texas A&M as well. So there was some familiarity with Ryan Tannehill and Zach Taylor last week. So that's something that was to their advantage. And the other thing too is, Sean, both sides now getting back to this game that's coming up today, it's going to be really important for Cincinnati. Listen, if they can't score, you got to push the ball to get yourself in field goal range because Evan McPherson, who's, by the way, a fifth-round draft pick out of Florida, the kicker for Cincinnati, he went four for four last week and made made a 54-yard field goal and then kicked that 52-yarder for the game winner. Right. They're gonna they're gonna have to they're not I don't think they're gonna be able to score that much Cincinnati. I think that they'll be able to keep the game close, but I think that you're gonna have to really dig deep in your playbook and try to get creative because you know, you wanna be able to get yourself get points on the board and I just don't know how, how close it's gonna be, but I mean I should be yeah. a fun game. Yeah, it should be definitely a good game. Um and uh so, with that being said, what, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm going to go Kansas City 30, and I'm going to go 
Cincinnati 17. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I actually think it's going to be a closer game. Um, I think uh, I, I think both teams are going to be scoring. Um, and uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go 24-20. Who's winning? Cincinnati. Okay. All right. So that's interesting. I mean, that would that would definitely that would make Boomer Siasen happy. That's for sure. For sure. I you know what? I just wanna I wanna see this Cincinnati team beat Patrick Holmes and uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I'm sick and tired of going on TikTok and seeing, you know, all the all the whoopwa that's going on with, you know, who I'm yeah. talking about. <laughs> yeah, I I I get that. I mean. Sure, I would. I think anybody would love to see it except for a Kansas City fan because it'd be a great story. But I just don't see it happening. But who knows? Yeah, we'll right, let's dive in. Let's dive into the next game. The Rams are favored minus one ninety over the Forty Niners. Uh, one thing to mention, you know, last week with the Niners and the Packers game is that aside from that AJ Dillon rushing touchdown, Sean, every other score was a field goal except until when special teams came into play and. San Francisco right. blocked that punt and they end up scoring that touchdown to take the lead and, and winning that game 13-10. But, you know, the other thing too is, you know, <laughs> it's tough for Aaron Rodgers. He's 0 for 4 now against the Niners. But, um, but you know, it's it, it was going to be a competitive game to begin with because, right. you know, they have, they have a solid defense. And, you know, it was surprising to me to see Aaron Rodgers get that shut down as great as he yeah. is. I mean, I'll be honest with you though. I was uh, I was a little disappointed on Aaron Rodgers as far as his game plan con- was concerned. Um, he only targeted Devontae Adams the entire time, and you can't do that as a quarterback. You know, no. you got to trust your other wide receivers. You're in the playoffs for obvious, obviously for a reason. You got to trust your other your other receivers. Um, and I think Aaron Rodgers alone lost that game for the Packers. Um, but um, but it's also very hard to play in that frigid weather. You know, I mean, it's it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, and San Francisco is not used to that kind of weather. Now, I know what George Kittle was saying, you know, this is football weather, you know, you know, this is what you're made for. And, you know, I don't care who you are. It's so hard to play in, you know, uh, what is it? I think it was like three degrees or something like that. It felt like or something like that. It was, it was frigid weather because at, so, at like, one point I, I thought it was snowing. Right. And so, like, you know, I, I know everybody's saying, uh, you know, Jimmy G is, you know, he's he's not a good quarterback. Look at him last week. You know, I I don't think he's a great quarterback, but I also don't think he's as bad as how he played against Green Bay. Um, but with that being said, though, um, he needs to step it up. You know, for, for the San Francisco team to, to advance, he needs to step his game up. And, you know, they can't just keep relying on the run game. No. Um, and uh, and then if I go into the Rams game, here's one thing I'm really concerned about. I'm concerned about my defense in the second half. Um, yeah. You know, you know yeah, they really are. And, you know, this is how San Francisco even got into the playoffs in the first place because – you know they had they what was it seventeen nothing going into the second half and then and then they ended up blowing the lead and then and they lost and yeah. San Francisco and ended up uh, winning the game they advanced into the playoffs and now they almost lost to the Broncos or not the Bucks um, yeah. the same way and yeah. you know I I think uh, you know if the Bucks they beat themselves they made some really poor mistakes um, sure. costly turnovers and 
you know, they could have been definitely in this championship game. But if I was San Francisco, I'm worried about Jimmy G. If I was the Rams, I would be worried about my second half defense because, you know, yeah. it just seems like they can't finish it. There's a lack of focus, I think, in the other thing, too, with Sean. They, they got too comfortable, but you can't, get, you can't get comfortable no matter what the score is in the NFL. Nope. I mean, even if you're even if you're up by forty, you can't you can't let let up because that other team is not quitting on the other side of the ball. It's not going to happen. But um, right. one thing I do want to a couple things I do want to address is the 49ers have won six straight against the Rams. All right, and uh, major difference here as far as uh, coaching wise. Sean McVay is three and seven against the Niners, but he's eighteen and four against the rest of the NFC West. So the Niners really have the Rams number, and it's going to be an intriguing matchup. And the other thing, too, that I want to mention is that Cooper Cup is going to be drawing a lot of attention. And right. it would behoove the 49ers to double-team him because last week he went, he went off, Sean. He had nine catches for 183 yards and a touchdown. And he was wide open on those last couple uh, – that late drive in the game where it yep. seemed to be that uh, Carlton Davis, the cornerback for Tampa Bay, there was a mis little bit of miscommunication. He was pointing to his other, other teammate and, you know, talking about certain coverage. And he just looked completely lost. And Cooper Cup just breezed by him like it was nobody's business. So um, the other thing, too, is, you know, Odell Beckham had a, did a good job, six catches for 69 yards. Tyler Higby, four catches for 51 yards, you know. But the thing, though, Sean, that is going to – that needs to change big time the Rams had no run game last week. If you look at it, Cam Akers averaged two yards. He only, he had forty he had forty eight yards on twenty four touches, and Sonny Michelle had one carry for four yards. In order for the Rams to advance to go to the Super Bowl, they need to run the ball and run the ball well because otherwise they're in it they're in it for they're gonna be in it for a long, long, rough right. game today. And then San Francisco's, you know, their secondary is good. Um, yes. They're 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 good, so you know they have to establish that run game. So because they can't rely on just you know hoping a prayer and these deep threats. Um, no. And like you said, I mean you know Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, um, even Tyler Higby. Um, you know I think these guys are going to be a, a, a contributing factor. But you're right, you know Anchor's got to be he has to he has to run the ball better, and he can't he has to hold on to the ball. He had too many costly fumbles, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, he had that huge fumble last game. So, you know, I I think uh, at the end of the day, I actually don't think that this game is going to be one on talent. I actually think it's going to be one on great coaching, and you I know, agree. it's going to be it's it's going to be a, a definite battle um, of adjustments and these game plans because I I, I think the Rams is is the best team. I would say as as a whole, right now in the playoffs. I mean, I I, I know we said what we said about the Chiefs, but I think as a balance, no, this Rams team, this Rams team is the best team. I but agree. they're not playing like they're the best team. No, they're, they're not. They're, that first half they did, but the second half they looked like the worst right. team in the league. Right, right, and so like that that that's what makes me nervous. Is like they have all this star power on this team, and they have such a lack of focus, and so. You know, I, I do know that the 49ers will definitely, you know, they, they won't look past that. And I think that, um, I don't know. I, I really don't know how, how it's going to, you know, finish off in this game. But, you know, I definitely do think it's about coaching. Here, and, I, and I completely agree with you. I think you hit the nail on the head. The thing is, 
you know, worth mentioning is, um, you know, last week for for the uh, Rams, you know, their cornerbacks had the most tackles. You know, David David Long, I believe, David Long had seven tackles, and Darius Williams had five tackles. Aaron Donald had three tackles on the sack, and safety Nick Scott had that, you know, big time interception off of Brady that really, uh, really gave the Rams the momentum. You know, so. Um, right. But I what mean, concerns fact, me about that, though, is that the fact that these guys they have to make these tackles. You know that you know these players are getting into the secondary like they are. You know, yeah. you got Debo Samuel's now. You know, he is he is not like your you know just hopscotch you know down a block kind of player. He's he's a mean player, built like a linebacker, and he he will punish you. And so. You know, I uh, I wouldn't if I was a Rams, I would try to make a game plan to how do, how am I going to contain this offense? How am I going to keep them inside, beat them up the middle? And, you know, you don't want to let Debo Samuels get on the outside and burn you up the field like that. You know, you, I don't think the Rams um, will be able to will, will be able to survive the game if that were if that was the case. Sure. Sure. And I think I think the thing is. um you shouldn't – I don't think that the Rams should be blitzing more. I think they should be more man and zone and maybe some nickel or some dime coverages because, you know, Debo Samuel is going to be the main focus, but you're going to have to shut down George Kittle. I mean, besides, besides those guys, I mean, you know, you, 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 have, you have other weapons as well. You know, Elijah, Elijah Mitchell in the run game, he's, he, he's, a, he's a talented runner. And the other thing, too, is, you know, you have um, – Calvin Benjamin too that's on the Niners that you know he's a little bit overlooked he's not you know he's not a star per se but he's a guy that has talent and and can do some damage absolutely absolutely but um I mean I mean listen here's the thing you know too with the Niners last weekend they their defense did great their cornerbacks Deontay Johnson had five tackles and and so did uh so did Mosley as well he had five tackles and you know Fred Warner the big linebacker, four tackles. Uh, Eric Armstead, the defensive end, he had three tackles and two sacks, and so did Nick Bosa. So, you know, Matthew Stafford's going to have a tough time today, but um, I have to say I was very impressed with how he played last week, and I wasn't really surprised that he was going to have a good game because I just feel like right now he's not letting the moment get bigger than him. He's yeah. he's, take, he's taking a deep breath, and he's, he's taking it, you know, second by second. He's really letting the game slow down for him because – he went 28 to 38 last week, 366 yards and two touchdown passes. He outdueled Brady. And I think that's something that is really important to, to remember because not a lot of people, you know, best Tom Brady. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And he, you know what? Like, like you said, he looks very comfortable in the, you know, in the pocket. Um, and we didn't know what we were going to get from Matthew Stafford just because, like, hmm. he, you know, when he was with the Lions this entire time, you know, he, they never really had playoff hopes, you know. No. They never, they never were able to – right. And, you know, which is a big question mark as, a, you know, when you're going into the playoffs with the Rams, you just don't know if the pressure or the game is just going to get consumed Stafford. And he didn't let that happen. You know, he looked very comfortable. He was poised. He was – you know, any and he made plays when he needed to make plays, and you know, especially on that last drive, you know, with Cooper Cup, you know, I think that was, you know, that really showed what Matthew Stafford brings to the table, and I think that's going to be the next deciding factor for the, you know, this San Francisco team. Um, I think, 
I think Matt Stafford's going to have a big game. I do. I, I, I think uh, he, he might have a similar game throwing uh, 28-38. Um, he actually might – I think he might even have a better game. Wow. And okay. I think that's my take. Um, I mean, and the other thing, too, that I want to mention, too, is, you know, back to what you were saying about Jimmy Garoppolo. He has to step up. Yes, Sean, he's been hurt. But, you know, minus the interception, he had a serviceable – he did a serviceable job last week. He went 11 for 19. Yes, he only threw for 131 yards. But the main thing is he kept his team in the game. And, right. you know, Elijah Mitchell is going to have to step up. He only had 17 carries for 53 yards. George Kittle, four catches, 63 yards. And Debo Samuel, three catches, 44 yards. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to play better if they want to advance, you know, because this Rams defense, and I'm not disrespecting the Packers. The Packers have a good defense, but the Rams defense is far superior in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, and the, the other thing, too, to mention, we didn't mention the uh, injury report. So the Rams, wide receiver Van Jefferson, he has a knee, he's questionable. Uh, Taylor Rapp, the safety, he's in cu- concussion. He's questionable as well. And then for the uh, for the Niners, you have um, running back Jeff Wilson. He has an ankle injury. He's questionable. And so is uh, tackle Trent Williams. He also has an ankle injury. He's he's listed as questionable. But um, I think this game will, in uh, in my opinion, this game will be close. I think it'll be closer than what you think it is. Um, right. And I'm going to say it's a low scoring game. And I'm going to go 17-13 Rams. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like you said, um, you know, I think uh, Jimmy G is going to be a big, big factor in this game. I also want to bring up though, um, in the Packers game, um, Jimmy G put passes, you know, right on the chest, you know, and they're yeah. just dropping them. And that's the one thing that I, I don't want to overlook for Jimmy G because like his stats, everybody's going by his stats. You know, when you're playing in that cold weather, you know, it's hard. It's it, everything is tightened. It's, it's way harder. Um, sure. and I think Jimmy G was making good plays. It was just his receivers were not, they weren't reciprocating. Um, which well, now I think, was, you know, like you said, the cold weather, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but with the no, cold you're weather, fine. you know, like you were saying, it's hard to, it's hard to catch those balls and, and hang tight to it, you know, because, you know, it's not a, it's, the body just tenses up, you know, when you're right. out there in the cold. So I think, I think this game going forward, I think you're going to see a different San Francisco offense. Um, so I I think you're like you said it's gonna be a tight game. I I don't know if it's gonna be as low scoring as you think. Um, I'm uh, I'm gonna go uh, twenty eight twenty four and I'm gonna go with the Rams. Okay, all right. So we both agree on that. All right. So um, Sean, now let's shift our our attention to uh, the coaching carousel. So um, there's been three hires. Giants hired Brian Dayball the other day, the Bills' offensive coordinator. Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett, Packers offensive coordinator, and Bears hired uh, Matt Eberflew, the Colts defensive tackle. Yeah, I um, I actually like all these hires. I really do. Um, I think the Giants made a great move um, hiring uh, this guru that basically made Josh Allen the way that he is. Agreed. Um, and now, as a giant, I don't know what their game plan is. You know, are they going? Are they going to be focusing on um, Danny Dimes? You know, like are they going to try to develop him, or do they say that they can they can find a quarterback in this draft class that I don't think is you know that's the answer because I don't think this class not, is a strong, a strong quarterback draft, draft class. No, it's not. So I, I I I don't know if that's what their game plan is going to be going forward um, because they do have a good core, um, you know and. 
I think this this was a great move for the Giants, um, especially for their questionable offense. They they've been so questionable for for a, a long time, and um, I think Danny Dimes at, at times um, has been a good quarterback. I would never ever say elite, but I say he's a good quarterback that just never had the the right coaches to develop him to to get him to the next level. I mean. Um, and then you got the Broncos. The Broncos made a great move. Um, now, do you think with the Broncos making the move that Aaron Rodgers is going to go to the Broncos? So, first off, I totally agree with you. I think it's a great hire. I think that Daniel Hackett's been long overdue to get this job. He did a great job with right. Jacksonville. That catapulted that team to play the Patriots, you know, in a deep in a deep playoff game. I believe it was the I think it was the AFC championship game, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, and he had Blake Bortles as his quarterback. So, I mean, that speaks for itself. What a terrific right. job that guy's done. But, you know, he's done a great job, you know, helping Aaron Rodgers. You know, as he's getting older, he's gotten better, which, you know, usually you're on a sharp decline as you age because, you know, the skills and all that is diminished as you get older because the body just can't replicate that and, and, and handle all that. But I think it's a great hire. And as far as, it goes with the Broncos trying to get Aaron Rodgers. Sure, Sean, I definitely think that that's definitely something that's piqued their interest. And I think that is something I wouldn't be surprised about if he's able to get Aaron Rodgers come over because the Broncos have the, have the, have the salary cap in order to make that deal happen. And the other thing, too, is the, the Packers, obviously, they're not going to trade, you know, in division or in the same conference. They're going to want to end up trading them. He's going to go in the AFC, and I really think that it makes a lot of sense for the Broncos. And the other thing, too, is the Broncos have a strong enough defense that they can be win-now mode if they have Aaron Rodgers, you know, because yeah. they have some of the wide receivers. They have a, they have a running back in Melvin Gordon, you know, Melvin Gordon third, you know, and they, and they have that strong defense. Despite the fact they lost Von Miller, you have Bradley Chubb. Right. So, yeah, and I, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, I know that, you know, uh, we had – there was Aaron Rodgers on, on a podcast saying that he's not going to make any decision right now as far as um, until Devontae Adams makes a decision. He But he sure. even also said uh, Devontae Adams um, doesn't want that franchise uh, tag that Green Bay is wanting to put on him. Um, so I think that speaks loud too because uh, I he could potentially find his way to the Broncos as well. I mean, I think those two are very close together. Um you know, you've seen Aaron Rodgers uh, speak so highly about Devontae Adams. Um, and I think Devontae Adams doesn't want to go to a team that has a poor quarterback. Um, now, um, with that being said, though, um, I think the Broncos made the, the best move, even if either one of those two uh, players don't go to that organization. Um, I think that he's a good enough head coach that, you know, he can he can turn his Broncos team around, and uh, like you said, they have a good defense. They have good wide receivers. They got a very good running back with Melvin Gordon. Um, you know, I think that this was the the best move for that organization um, to really develop them to hopefully get them to the next level. Sure. So they have they do have the space to get Devontae Adams. Um, they have forty eight. They have a little over forty eight uh, forty eight million. In cap room and uh Devontae right. Adams made about uh 14 14 and a half million dollars this year uh he right. just finished up his his uh contract that he had he had a four-year 58 million dollar extension that he signed back in December of 2017 so um that's something that could definitely happen 
Um, but the one thing too, um, I do, I, and I hate to, hate to move us backwards, but I wanted to add with the Giants is that uh, Brian Dable actually believes in uh, Daniel Jones. So we'll see how that goes with that, but they have, they have to work on that defense. You know, they have to work on yeah. that defense, but anyway, moving forward. So let's go with the, uh, the bears. Matt Eberflew is the, uh, the Colts defense coordinator. I think it's a good move for the bears. I think that, you know, their emphasis and, and how their team is structured, John, they've really in years past really solidified and their main priority has been the defense. You know, you had right. Brian Erlacher, you know, when he was there, the, you know, the legend for the bears and, you know, you had guys um, such as, um, you know, you have, you have, um, you have, you got Cleo um, Mack. Yeah, cool, Mac. Cool, Mac. Yeah, it's, you know, like you said, you know, they are a defense-heavy uh, uh, team, uh, and you know, I don't think it's a uh, uh, an awful hiring uh, for the Bears. Um, um, but you know what, though, the Bears for years they've always been a mean team. They've always been. It's always yeah. been like a low-scoring game. They, you don't see the Bears ever get blown out. No. Um, but that being said, I mean, you got you got Fields, who's you know has shown some life. Uh, to this Bears offense, I just don't know if that was the the greatest move for for Fields, if that makes sense. Now I don't I know you don't want to hire a, a coach for one player, but you also want to make sure that you know, hey, who, whoever I bring into this you know this team, I want to make sure that everybody can get heightened from this. And you know, I think that the Bears defense has always been good. Um, and it's always been their offense has been poor. Uh, I just I, – I don't know. I think it's a good hire. I don't think it's a great hire. Um, you know, yeah, I, just, I mean, well, time will tell, you know. A, a lot of times, you know, some of these moves that aren't too sexy, so to speak, or intriguing, sometimes they work out. But, you know, they have a good running back in David Montgomery for the Bears. You know, they had right. Alan Robinson, who he's going to be a free agent. Who knows if he's going to stay because – He's he ha, he's had a really good year and he's gonna he's gonna want to get paid. But back to what you're saying about Justin Fields, you know he's he's a reclamation project. I mean I don't know how he's gonna be, you know, future years from now. But and I know that it's hard to, you know, project, you know, being his first year. I don't think he's gonna be that starting quarterback. I think he'll end up being like, you know, a guy that comes in on certain downs and you know tries right. to you know, um, you know, with the uh, run pass option, you know, and yeah. uh, and I think he'll be a backup guy, but, you know, we'll, we'll see with, with what goes on with that. But, you know, there's other, moving on now, there's a lot of free, there's a lot of vacancies as far as coaching wise, the Saints, the Dolphins, the Texans, Jaguars, Raiders, and Vikings, they're all, they all have vacancies. So right now, you know, with the Saints, Sean Payton left, which, I'll be honest with you. I was at work and I was surprised to hear that. But uh, at the same time, too, it makes sense because it's post Drew Brees era, and and they don't have that. They don't have that. You know that that quarterback that can really you know change change the game. You know they had. You know. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're you're not wrong. Um, but I also like. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I like Jameis Winston as a saint. I thought he was. I mean, he got hurt. You can't control that. But you saw um, a different quarterback than what you saw when he played for the Bucs. Um, you know, you still saw that strong arm that he had. 
but you also saw a little bit more discipline um, as far as how he's thrown, where he's throwing it. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm starting to, you know, for the Saints, I think they lost an unbelievable coach. Um, oh, sure. And he's a future Hall of Fame coach as well. I just, but like at the same time, I'm just like, if I'm Sean Payton, um, you know, I'm just, it's a big question mark. What is he going to do? Because I know he, he said he's just going to take a break from coaching. And I think everybody, everyone's speculating that he's going to go to be the next Dallas Cowboys coach. Eventually, he, better, he better watch out, though. And here's why I say this. You know, if Mike McCarthy doesn't fix what he is, you know, what their big issue was last season and the season before, you know, so many penalties. Um, their offense has been always questionable. Um, his time management has always been poor. Um, yeah. You know, if, I think if the Dallas Cowboys come come out stale, he's gone. But you know who's going to be replacing him? That amazing defensive coordinator that just turned down all the head coach. Yeah, and he's going to be the next coach for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think Sean Payton's going to be it. I think Dan Quinn's going to be the next coach. And I think Sean Payton, you know, if 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 that's what he wanted to do, would be a Cowboy. I think he actually hurt himself by doing this. And, you know, I just I, – I don't know, um, you know, what his plans were. Um, but, you know, I just – yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll definitely see. Um, but he's talking – yeah. He's talked about – he's talked about maybe, you know, he had a couple inquiries of some, you know, some sports networks coming to approach right. him about being a commentator or, or analyst or whatever. And he's he says he's been intrigued by it, but – I think the other thing, too, is maybe he does want to take a break. But, I mean, like you said, you know, I could flip a coin and say, hey, maybe if things don't work out, yes, Dan Quinn could be the next Cowboys coach. Maybe that's why he stayed. Or I could see Sean Payne. Either way, I could see either one getting that, getting the job because Sean Payne, for all the success that he's had in, down in New Orleans, and Dan right. Quinn, you know, really, you know, solidifying himself as the, the best or the top, you know, defense coordinator this year, you know, he's, he's, he's a, he's a defensive guru, so to speak, but I mean, absolutely. Um, the Saints are going to, they plan to interview uh, their defense coordinator, Dennis Allen, who I could see being the replacement. Um, they also request to interview Brian Flores, who's been a hot commodity this year. Lions defense coordinator, Aaron Glenn and offense coordinator, Byron Leftwich. Um, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but I mean, here's the other thing too. And I just want to mention, um, they have the Rooney Rule in place. But so far, you know, all these head coaches, you know, have been have been white. And you know, I'm not saying that there's, you know, listen. My thing is, I don't care what race, ethnicity, gender, whatever it is, Sean. Right? I don't care whatever right. that is. If you're the best person and right person for the job, then I say you you go get it. But I mean, you know, I, I think that it. I think it would be a good move for the Saints if they went out and got Brian Flores because. I think he's that hard-nosed guy. I think he has a similar personality like Sean Payton. And I think that with what he did with Tua Tagovailoa as quarterback and having Jacoby Brissett and almost making the playoffs, I think that's a guy that the Saints should really dive and go after. And I think I would give Flores the upper hand of Dennis Allen, who's the defensive coordinator at the Saints right now for the Saints job for Flores. Yeah, for sure. I, I, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. Um, now, uh, what do you think about uh, Las Vegas? Uh, well, I mean, the thing with that is, you know, for a while, I thought that maybe um, Jim Harbaugh was going to get the job. There was a lot of rumors about that. 
Um, but now this week, um, they're going to look to interview the Pats offense coordinator, uh, Josh McDaniels. He's, he's one of the top guys that the Raiders are looking at, top uh, candidates. They're also looking at the Patriots inside linebacker, Gerard Mayo. Um, right. They're going to give a, I think, which rightfully so, they should give a good look to interim head coach Rick Bisaccia, who did a great job with that that firestorm. They had the well, whole Henry that's, Ruggs that's incident. That's my biggest thing. Oh, no, wait, 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 let me finish. Let me finish. Henry Ruggs incident, you know, that, that you know, just completely could have served as a major distraction, but he didn't let the team get distracted by it. I think they ended up, like, pulling off about, like, a, uh, like, Later on in the season, they had like a four-game win streak. And then, not to mention, Damon Arnett gets arrested to their first-round cornerback from a year or two yeah. ago. But, yeah, go ahead, Sean. I mean, yeah, I mean, if I was the Raiders, um, you know, front office, I'm thinking, you know, what's the best thing for this team? And, you know, with the fire with Gruden and, you know, all these um, distractions with rugs and then uh, Damian, you know, I just – this coach – was able to keep this team focused and they were able to make the playoffs, you know, and, and yeah. I think that's, that speaks loud for me. Um, now did, did the Raiders um, blow teams away? Absolutely not. Every single game that they played was a nail biter and it could have gone either way. Um, sure. But the thing is though, is that, you know, if you could create a, um, you know, a balanced offense, you know, around Derek Carr, I actually think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. And I think I do too. And, you know, I, I, I truly believe that the leadership that they got right now in their locker room, and, and I'm including Rich into this because, you know, right now they don't have they, – they never said anything about the head coach, but I'm going by last season. I think the leadership right now in that locker room is very strong, and all they just need is a little bit of talent. And, sure. and they can put that whole entire team together. And I, I actually I, – you know, I know everybody wants uh, – I think Joshua Daniels is very favored to get that position. Um, but if I was a Raiders, I'd be like, listen, I want, I want Rich. You know, I think that would be a great fit for that team and um, for that team moving forward for years. Seems like a player's yeah. coach. I think, I think he might be the guy to get it. I think, you know, the secondary guys would probably be Gerard Mayo, the inside linebacker, the Pats, yeah. or Josh McDaniels. Um, the other two candidates um, are Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense coordinator Todd Bowles, who's been getting a lot of mm-hmm. looks. And uh, as well as 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan's, who you know the former player, but um, you know I, I I think I agree with you. I think Rick Bisaccia is a player's coach, and you know Derek Carr even came out and and said publicly that you know he's he's a player's coach. You know he really likes you know Coach Bisaccia, and I think that that should just speak for itself. And I think that Mark Davis should listen to that, and you know right. they should try to bring back Derek Carr. And I think that it would it would be in their best interest to keep Rick Passacci because he's the one that kept it all together because that season easily could have catastrophically went down the toilet. Absolutely. And you know, when you have your, you know, your star quarterback, you know, you know, speaking that, that language about your head you know, you know, your interim head coach, you know, that's important. You know, you wanna have as a you know, with with looking at your team, you want your players to have trust in in their coaching staff. You know, like if I were to date back a couple of years when um, with the Seahawks and you had Russell Wilson complaining about the fact that they wouldn't even let him in into the meetings about who they're thinking about drafting, who they think about picking up as free agents. 
you know, that's your, that's your franchise quarterback. You know, you want to build a team around your franchise quarterback and, you know, and that's what put a bad taste in, in Russell Wilson's mouth. And, and, you know, I know there's a, a few other things, but, you know, I think if I was a Raiders, I got to start listening to my players and what they need and what they want. And, you know, sure. yeah, we'll see. All right. So now let's head down to Miami right now. I mean, you know, Brian Dayball was their choice, but the Giants came and snatched him up. So, the um, the Dolphins have been interviewing Cowboys offense coordinator Kellen Moore and Niners offense coordinator Mike McDaniel. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's more other guys, but you know, that's that's from what I've been hearing through the grapevine. But um, I think that this is a attractive job. I think that they need to have an offense coordinator take over the helm because yeah. I think that's something that is missing for them because their defense has been pretty good the last couple of years. They've drafted really well with uh, GM uh, Chris Greer. He's done an excellent job turning that franchise around. And all the plethora of picks that they had in years past, they've hit on it. So they're, they're, they've, they, they need to improve a little bit more of their offensive line, but their defense is set. They have playmakers on, uh, on wide receiver. You know, they have Xavier and Howard. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think, that, I think that their offense is the missing link for them to really compete and give – you know, the Patriots and, and the Bills, you know, run for their money. But um, I could see Kellen Moore landing this job. What do you think, Sean? You know what? I mean, like, yeah, I could see him too. Um, but you know what I, I'm kind of shocked about is that Josh McDaniels is not really entertaining this position. Um, and the reason – here's why I say that. So when uh, when, when uh, Cam Newton came to the uh, New England Patriots, Josh McDaniels was so excited because this was the first time that he has ever had a mobile quarterback and he has publicly said that he's always wanted to because he wanted a mobile quarterback and yada 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 when you have Tua though you know I mean that's the quarterback that McDaniels always wanted you know and I think that you know um, if I was Miami I mean I would consider you know at least looking into into that but if I was Miami and I look at Josh McDaniels the only time that he had a mobile quarterback, that was the worst season that the Patriots ever had. So I, I don't know. I, I you know, I um, I'm curious to see what will happen um, with the Miami Dolphins. I just like you said, they need an offense in mind, and uh, they have a great defense. They have a great core. Um, I just think that they just need to they just need to uh, find somebody that's going to heighten that offense and be make you know have more playmakers. You know, so we'll see. Okay. Um, so now let's head down to Houston, the Texans job. This is really, I would say, the most unattractive job, Sean, due to uh, how they did last year and, and the lack of playmakers they have. Yes, you have Brandon Cooks, who is a wide receiver. Davis Mills, he's he got better with his development, but I don't think he's the long-term answer. I don't think he's a strong candidate. And you have David Johnson. But um, as far as the Texans job, Josh McGowan, the old old quarterback that was in the league for geez years as a backup as a solid backup he's a candidate uh chargers quarterback coach joe lombardi is also another candidate i'm not sure if he's related to, to the great vince lombardi at all i'm not sure about that i didn't check that but um then you have heinz ward who uh you know is the ex Steelers wide receiver who he's currently the florida atlantic university special assistant coach so i thought that was pretty interesting yeah 
I also saw that the uh, the Eagles uh, defensive coordinator, uh, Jonathan uh, Gannon, is also a finalist for the Texans job. Um, I'll be honest with you, if I was the coach, I would I would stay far away from the Texans as I possibly can. I don't want to play for that organization. You know, I, you I don't want to coach. I, I mean, I, yeah, that's what I mean. I don't want to coach for that organization. And, you know, you've seen poor, poor management for I would say the I, I would say the last at least eight years. You know, you you're trading away basically your entire team for absolutely nothing, and then you're expected yeah. to win. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I don't care what coach you put in that system. You know, they might win a couple more games, but they ain't gonna be a playoff team. You know, yeah. and I um I don't care. I, you know, I just we'll see. Um, but like I said before, if I was a coach. I would say far away from the Texans because that's going to ruin your career. Agreed. And I mean, the other thing too is like, you know, you still don't know. Eventually they're going to have to trade Deshaun Watson because what, you're just going to pay him a boatload of money to not even play. Like that just doesn't, that doesn't make any sense financial wise. And it doesn't make sense common sense wise. So right. They're, right. they're going to have to figure out what the, what their best available value for trading is. And now it's obviously Sean, it's really, sunk down to the bottom because the longer you keep him, the less value you're going to get out of him. You know, Absolutely. the other thing too is what I want to add to is like you said, great point. When you trade DeAndre Hopkins and JJ Watt, what are you sending? What, what kind of message are you sending to not just the guys in the locker room, Sean, but the fans as well? You know, I mean, look, right. they, they don't have a long historic franchise detectives, but you want to see a team each year be competitive and say, all right, you know, our, our goal this year is to try to make the playoffs and try to win the Super Bowl. That should be everybody's goal, no matter what. Whether it's realistically or not, you have to come out and say that. Now, as far as what they did with David Culley, I think that was unfair because, you know, the guy, the guy had a – this was a no-win situation. Yes, he won four games and, 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 and lost 12. But, I mean, like, he did better than, you know, what some people would expect. He did better than what I expected him to do. But, I mean – you know, so we'll see. But I mean, I think too, the Texans, they said they wanted Brian Flores. I'm sure he was thinking the same thing we're thinking. Get the heck away from there. Yeah. I mean, when, when you got Brian Flores going to Miami and, and I'll be honest with you, I was, when, when, they, when Miami, when Miami uh, fired him, um, you know, I was surprised. I was surprised. I really was. Um, you know, I think that the reason why they fired him was because of how they saw how good the Miami Dolphins played the second half of the season and when they had that 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 winning streak. Um, right, because they were the only team that, to have seven loss streak and a seven game winning streak. You know, yes. and you know, I think that right there is is screaming. Okay, well, why is this happening? Why did we even lose those first seven games? And I think that puts a big question mark. Um, on Brian Flores' head, but you know, I was shocked about it. But if I was Flores, I I would stay away from a head coaching position. I would regroup yourself. You know, maybe I I would actually think he should go back to New England and you know, um, just regroup. And I would say within the next two years, maybe try again with the head coaching position, um, um, with a better a better organization. No, I get what you're saying, but I think he'll I think he'll get a head coaching job somewhere, Sean. He's just his value is is too hot and too rising right now that I think that really he would really lower himself in the sense of heading back to New England. Yes, if yeah. it ends up happening where he can't find anything, then that's the best case scenario going back to New England. But I really think that 
he's going to be a sought-out candidate, even though all those three jobs have been filled already. I think he's going to land somewhere. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, let's head to the Jaguars job now. So um, Vic Fangio, the former Broncos head coach, is interviewed with Jacksonville. Uh, interim head coach Daryl Bevel um, is also uh, a candidate to come back. Um, for, uh, former Eagles head coach Doug Peterson is also a candidate. Yeah. Tampa Bay defensive coordinator Todd Bowles and former Lions coach Jim Caldwell is also in the mix there for two uh, for that for that job as well. Um, I think a lot of it's going to depend on because there's a lot of been there's been a lot of rumors and a little bit of you know people whispering that Trent Baalke might get a uh, you know, kick to the curb, the general manager, because um doesn't seem like inside the organization that, you know, people like him. And he also hasn't made, uh, he's also made some very questionable decisions as far as, you know, structuring the team and, and other things such as that. So I think that, you know, he might end up getting kicked to the curb with these new, uh, with these uh, new coaches. And the other thing too is for whoever the new coach is going to be, the other thing too is they brought up a good point. Um, they said that also, um, a candidate for Jacksonville, or they think that's going to be, is Byron Lefwich, um, who is, you know, like I said, he's the um, he's the he's the Bucks offense coordinator. But um, the other thing too is um, they're saying that uh, maybe that if Byron Lefwich comes on board for Jacksonville, they're saying that maybe the uh, maybe Adrian Wilson, who who's a uh, executive for the Arizona Cardinals, that maybe he's uh, going to be like the not the favorite, but one of the guys to look at as far as like uh, GM candidates. Okay, yeah, I mean this. Uh, you know, I know that Jacksonville didn't have a good season. There was a lot of uh, a lot of distractions that was going on on that team, um, and like, but I don't think that they have uh, a low ceiling um, as far as like how we viewed the Texans, for example. Um, I sure. think that um, this team has better talent. Um, I think. Uh, I, I, I truly believe that they need to find an offensive guy for Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence looked very uneasy, did not look comfortable one bit. Um, you know, and, uh, he said like what he said, an NFL record for most uh, pass attempts without a, a touchdown. Um, and you know, it's just, you know, as, as a player or a, not really as a player, but as an organization, you know, you kind of want to, you, you don't draft Trevor Lawrence just to, all right, you know what, we draft Trevor Lawrence and we're just going to go about our business the same as we used to, you know, no, you got, you, you got one of the best quarterbacks at, at a college football, you know, you got to try to build a staff around him. Um, sure. And, you know, I know like what I said with, um, you know, Justin Fields, you know, way back, I know I'm backtracking a little bit, but, um, there are similar quarterbacks as far as, you know, how their play style is. I, but I think Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback that you need to, you need to develop. And, you know, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars, they won't win if they don't do that period. Oh, I agree. And, and the other thing too is, you know, James Robinson has also really emerged himself to be a, a good running back in the league, but yeah. they need more pieces around them. You know, you need to build that defense. Now I agree with you partially with as far as off, as as offensive minded coach. I think it would be smart if they were able to get Byron Leftwich as their head coach 
you know, also considering he also used to play for the organization as well. So yeah. Back, back in the day. But um, I also really wouldn't be surprised if uh, Doug Peterson got the job either. Well, that's – that was – I was the thinking success, the same thing. I'm, the success he had in, in Philadelphia. Winning a right. I mean, you had Doug Peterson. I mean, um, did he make very questionable the, the uh, decisions the next season when he was with the Eagles? Yes, which ultimately got him canned. But um, – Doug Peterson was able to develop Carson Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz is – he's a good quarterback who has a lot of injuries, yes. Um, but he was also – the plays that he, Carson Wentz made were elite plays. But he was also – when Carson Wentz was hurt during that Super Bowl run, I mean, I mean, uh, Nick Foles, I mean, nobody thought the Eagles were going to do anything. At all. And, you know, he was able to regroup that whole entire team and, and end up beating Tom Brady, who had the best game of his career in the postseason, you know. And I think uh, if I'm looking as a, you know, uh, the front office for the Jaguars, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to bring some pieces together. Doug Peterson, he was – he developed awesome quarterbacks. And he's you know? a winner already too, Sean. He's established. Yes. Yeah, he's established that he can win in the NFL. I, and and I think, you know, I truly believe that would be the best fit for the, the Jaguars would be Doug Peterson. I agree with you. I, th- I think that's what they're going to end up doing. Um, but I think the secondary guy, if you don't get Peterson, I think would be uh, Byron Leftwich. But um, yes. let's move on to Minnesota. Um, this is a team, Sean, that, um, you know, they're still contenders, but, you know, you have, you have some question marks. You know, you have one year remaining left of Kirk Cousins. I don't think you're going to be able to move him because he's make, he's going to be scheduled to make $35 million. So right. I think he's going to end up staying staying pat there in Minnesota. But they, they, this is a team that's, that's, that's good, Sean. They're not terrible, and they're not, they're not in rebuild mode either. But uh, um, yesterday uh, it surfaced that uh, Jim Caldwell – I mean, not Jim Caldwell. Sorry, Jim Harbaugh, the Minnesota the – the Michigan guy from – is yeah. going to be interviewed for the Viking job. Uh, so Jim yeah. Harbaugh from Michigan, and you know, then you have Rams defense coordinator Raheem Morris, who is also in the mix. Rams offense coordinator Kevin O'Connell is also in the mix. Uh, Eagles defense coordinator Jonathan Gannon is going to get interviewed. Cowboys offense coordinator Kellen Moore is going to be interviewed. 49ers defense coordinator D'Amico Ryans and Bucks defense coordinator Todd Bowles is also in the mix as well. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Um, I think no matter who they hire. Their focus they need to be is how are we going to stay disciplined? You know, I mean, um, I think, uh, you know, when you, you know, you got Kirk Cousins who, you know, he's a great quarterback. I mean, he puts good numbers up, but the thing is, is like, yeah. And like, if you, if you also look uh, to primetime games that he's played, he's always, you know, he always plays subpar, um, which, you know, leads from lack of focus and lack of discipline. And I think whoever they I bring I think it's also, too, a lack of comp. I feel like – sorry to interrupt you, but I feel like it can also be at times a lack of confidence, too. I feel like, you know, when things are going well, you know, it's easy to be motivated and be like, all right, I got this, I can do this. But then, you know, when you have weeks where you're up and down, you know, you're kind of unsure of yourself. So I feel like that also plays a factor, but go ahead. Yeah, and I like that – I like the John Harwell move. Um, you know, I mean – Jim Harwell. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, I've, I've, I, it makes it so difficult. But, yeah, you're right. Jim right. Harbaugh, I, I, I think that that would be an actual good move um, as far as, hey, you know, 
he's coming from he 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 won in the NFL. Um, yes, he did. Yeah, I mean, he did have his struggles sometimes, but um, when he moved to college, you know, he struggled his first few years, but he was able to turn around this program and make him into a you know a you know top ten uh, program in the in, in the nation. Um, yeah, Michigan went now, to the college football playoff. Right, you know, and and I mean, I I know that majority of it was his defense, which is a good thing for Minnesota. You know, he has a defense in mind, but he also was able to yes. develop, um, you know, his offensive oh, quarterback. You know, and you know, I think that being said, I think that would help translate into the NFL with Kirk Cousins with his lack of confidence, his lack of discipline. You know, he can he can groom that because some of these college coaches, you know, that's what they do. They have to develop these players to, you know, to heighten their game so that they compete. And, you know, because ultimately they want to go to the college football championship. So they got to develop these guys. Um, Whereas in the NFL, they already are developed. You know, they're just trying to heighten their skills. I think Harwell, though, brings a different factor that some coaches don't have right now that he can he can heighten everybody on that team defensively, offensively. And, you know, I think that would be a nice fit for uh, the Vikings. Agreed. I think – I honestly think that if Jim Harbaugh doesn't get the job, which I think, you know, you and I both know because he's such a hot commodity. And like you said, he was able to win. You know, he helped really develop Colin Kaepernick. And it was impressive he was able to take them to the Super Bowl. And although they lost, still an impressive accomplishment. And, right. um, you know, what he's done at Michigan, you know, he's really – he's really – turned around in the sense that he's made them relevant and made them a powerhouse again, where, you know, they're in the discussion of maybe being a college football playoff team year in and year out. But, um, you know, if, if Harbaugh doesn't get it, I, I see Kellen Moore getting the opportunity. I feel like he's ready. Um, yeah. There's people that I've talked to, people that I've talked to that feel like he's not ready, but I think Kellen Moore would, uh, would be ready if, if Jim Harbaugh doesn't get this job. I see him yeah. either in, in a, Miami or Minnesota, but I think Jim Harbaugh is the, uh, the head guy for the uh, job. I think he'll end up being the head guy. So, um, Sean, let's move down to uh, our new segment, ladies and gentlemen, winner and loser of the week. Sean, you have your winner and loser of the week? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say the loser this week is not going to be a player. The loser of the week is all these analysts. All right? And I'm saying that well. It's the truth, though. I mean, all these analysts that are saying about Tom Brady right now, I mean, like, let the man do what he wants to do, you know? He even just – he just literally announced to the whole Bucks organization. He's like, hey, I haven't made my decision yet. You know, why are all these rumors going around, you know, saying, hey, Tom Brady's retired, Tom Brady's retired? No, that's that's BS. I'm, say, I'm just saying, I think the biggest loser right now, it, hands down, are all the NFL analysts, period, end of story. What about you? Who's your win? Who's your, no, hold on. Go ahead. Who's your winner of the week? Uh, my winner of the week? I don't know yet. I, I haven't gotten that far. <laughs> Let me think about that real fast. Let me think. You go. You, you do your winners and losers right now. All right. So uh, my loser of the week, and I, I just, uh, sometimes I just can't wrap my head around it. Um, you know, loser of the week is Damon Arnett. He got arrested uh, yeah. over, over the weekend in Las Vegas. Uh, he, as you remember, he used to be on the Las Vegas Raiders. He got he got uh, released because he made death threats while brandishing a firearm, making a racial making yeah. racial slurs and death threats on TikTok. And then 
the Chiefs give him a future contract, Sean. And I don't even think he was going to be playing this weekend, but he gets he gets arrested on gun and drug charges. Yeah. It's like it's like, come on, yeah, man, you have all this talent in the world. You're a former first round draft pick. And I mean the other thing too is Sean, it's like like your character and personality, like, come on, you're a professional athlete. You need to hold yourself accountable and realize that there's people watching. Like you you you're being watched every second of your life. There's no privacy. There's no, oh well, this is by accident. You know, you don't get any do overs. You know? Yeah. He's he's ruined his career by doing that. And honestly, I don't know if any other team's gonna give him another chance. But uh my winner of the week is actually Auburn basketball head coach Bruce Pearl. Um, Auburn's now the number one team in the country in the A AP polls. Uh it's the first time in program history that they yeah. are number one. And uh they just uh rewarded him with an eight year deal, uh five point four million dollars annually. Uh it'll come out to fifty point two million dollars. So Kudos to Bruce wow. Pearl. Um, you know, years ago, remember, he was with the Tennessee Volunteers. He got let go because there was some sort of scandal. And uh, last year, I think there was some sort of uh, some sort of issue with Auburn, too, as well, that um, he was suspended for a couple games. But um, if you're not if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? No, for sure. Yeah, bingo, um, bingo, but, man. Uh, you got to always get but, that but anyway, But anyway, he, my, my point is, you know, he's not the only one that has done this. There's been a lot of coaches that, you know, we've known that have done it or we don't know yet, but there's always scandals involving, uh, you know, every college sports. But uh, kudos to Bruce Pearl for uh, for inking that deal and for doing what he's doing at Auburn. But go ahead, do you have your winner of the week now? Absolutely. Um, and I would say the winner of the week would be the New York Giants hiring, um, you know, this offensive guru, quarterback guru, uh, Brian DeBall. Um, I think that was the best move that they, the Giants could have ever made um, as far as the coaching staff. Um, and uh, I think that team is obviously they're not a, a winning organization next season, but you never know. You never know. But I, but I think that move was the next step for that organization. Um, and you got players, you know, like Stefan Diggs are saying basically um, that everything is going to translate from what he did with the bills to the New York giants, which, you know, if I was in New York giants, I would have some hope and, you know, and, and, and now some faith um, that this organization finally made a good move. Uh, for their, you know, for their players. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we'll definitely see, uh, you know, with him developing uh, Danny Dimes and, um, you know, that, the rest of that team around him. Um, but I think the New York Giants, that, they're big winners right now, especially in the coaching, uh, the coaching hiring. Yeah, the, fan, the fans are excited. I heard on, uh, listening to WFAN yesterday and uh, to Danielle McCartan, they were saying that the uh, fan base is, is thrilled with all these tweets on Twitter. They're very excited. But, uh, Sean, let's move down now. I mean, you already kind of mentioned it, but we'll, uh, we'll add to it. Uh, Tom Brady, Sean, headlines. Uh, you know, uh, Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport reported yesterday around, I think it was around like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, I'm sitting down on my couch, and uh, says Tom Brady retired. And, you know, I was, I was pretty shocked about it. You know, I wasn't quite sure if he was ready to retire because – yeah, he's had an MVP candidate season, you know, right. throwing 5,000 yards, had 43 touchdown passes, around 12 interceptions or so. And, you know, it, it, just, it would just be surprising that he would go out that way. And especially, Sean, the fact that they lost last week and he didn't have all of his weapons. He had a lot of guys that were hurt and he didn't play that great. So, to me, I, I'd be really surprised if he ended up uh, calling, it, calling it quits. You know, I get it. You know, if you want to go and spend time with your family, I get that. The guy's played 22 years in the NFL and, Obviously, right. over time, your body's going to have the wear and tear of, you know, 
uh, playing, you know, and then being away from the family is tough. But, um, you know, it tells me that all we need to know is that Tom Brady Sr. yesterday tells uh, the San Francisco KRON4 News that his son's not retiring, that, you know, it's just pretty much people are just making, quote, unquote, uh, unsubstantiated rumors. And um, he just said what, you know, Adam Schefter and others, you know, it's just not true. And right. I agree with you that he should definitely be able to have his say because, you know, it would bother me. I'm not sure how it would, how you would feel about it, but it would bother me if someone's saying, oh, yeah, you know, he's retiring from the game. He's stepping away. Like, that should be something that comes from you, from the horse's mouth. And- right. Exactly. And listen, if I was Tom Brady right now, I would stick it to all those reporters' faces. And be like, listen, I ain't retiring. I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to play. And, but my biggest concern right now is, um, you know, because Brady has mentioned his mental state. He doesn't know uh, if he's mentally there for his team. Um, And I get that concern. But, you know, this man was coming off an MVP season. um, And he's playing stronger and stronger each season as he's gotten older. yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what he's going to do. But if I was Tom Brady, I'd be pissed off and I would have a chip on my shoulder and be like, you know what, screw these analysts. I'm going to play. And, you know, and it's just now he just has another reason to prove people wrong again. And that's what fears me. And I won't believe that he's retired until it comes out of his mouth. And we didn't see a single video report that he said that he is retired. And I don't – I just think it's wrong. I just think it's wrong I, what the reporters are doing. I agree. I mean, listen, I, I hear what you're saying, but the other thing too is we also have to understand too is this their this is their jobs. This is what they're supposed to be doing. So I understand that part of it. But um, the other thing too is um, you know Tom Brady contacted GM the GM you know uh, Jason Leitch and said you know that he hasn't made a decision yet. You know, and Jason Light has respected that. And you know when when Tom Brady's ready to make a decision, he'll make a decision. But you know as they were saying too, Tom Brady. You know he's not gonna he's not gonna waste his time and keep Tampa Bay waiting because there's a time clock. You know the the free agency's coming up. You know the other two is the calendar season's coming up. So Tom Brady knows when decisions need to be made so that way they can move on from him. And the other thing too is a lot of people are saying, oh well, you know Tom Brady's just waiting till you know February fourth or so after the season's over to to you know to get his remaining 15 or 15 to 20 million dollars left remaining i don't think that's the case because tom brady's made so much money sean that that amount of money doesn't even phase him you know he doesn't need that no, it doesn't. we both know he doesn't need that money but uh if they do if they do if he does end up stepping down you know kudos to him listen i have nothing i have listen i haven't liked seeing him you know beat up on teams all throughout the years and being a Jets fan and whatnot, but, you know, you have to respect the guy and respect the accolades that he's done, and, you know, he's one of the greatest in our in our lifetime, Sean. Without a doubt, and, you know, we'll definitely see. Um, I don't think it's going to happen within a couple of weeks. Um, I think, like he said, I think it's, you know, I, I, I think um, what Tom Brady is really waiting for is 
what this Bucks team is going to do as a whole. You know, who are they going to resign? Who who's going to be let go? Um, who are they going to try to target in the offseason um, as far as free agents go? Um, I think he's going to make a decision based off truly what the Bucks are going to be doing. And, you know, I, yeah. I, um, I, again, I don't think he's retired. I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe these reports. I don't, um, I think that he might be mentally retired right now, but I think, you know, push comes to shove, you know, once the football season starts getting closer, I think you're going to see him be like, listen, I, um, you know what? I, I actually do want to play. I, I want to finish out my contract. And, you know, we'll say. I think he'll get that itch. I think he'll get that itch. And not, not going to lie, I would love to see him play till he was 50 because he's always said, I would like to play till 50. And I think that would be awesome because you haven't really, you haven't really seen, I don't think we've ever seen that or I don't know or have any knowledge of anyone playing till 50 in the NFL just because of nope. how debilitating it can be on, your, on the human body. And um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if he ends up if he ends up retiring, I think Gronk will retire. If uh, Brady decides to stay, I think uh, Gronk will end up staying. So I think all that circulates on what Tom's decision is going to be. But I think this was uh, I think this was a, a great discussion. We'll see we'll see what happens moving forward with Tom Brady. And but uh, you know what? It's time will tell, Sean. But um, that's all that we have for today. Thank you for tuning in on Cut yeah, to the Chase and. Uh, Hopefully you'll listen soon and, and we're excited to be making some more uh, episodes in the future.